Hi, I'm Tanya Cooper. Thank you for joining me um, for this discussion. My topic today is putting PTSD in our PAST. Um, first, let me start with a disclaimer. Um, I will not be discussing post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD as it we would naturally associate it with um, enforcement or military type circumstances. Um, what I'm hoping to discuss today is um, how we continually are affected by our emotional and our emotionally charged circumstances. Um, while I completely understand that there are different kinds of trauma, different kinds of experiences and circumstances, different kinds of treatment and recovery for those experiences and circumstances, I also know that nothing is impossible with God. So let's start. Okay, the dictionary defines PTSD as uh, a disorder in which a person has difficulty recovering after experiencing or witnessing a terrifying event. Now this definition says a terrifying event. But for the sake of this conversation, I'd like to add the word traumatizing, because I think that there are certain circumstances and life events that we experience that can also have long-term emotional and physical effects that would qualify without possibly being categorized as terrifying. Certain, um, what we would call, uh, certain circumstances like um, ongoing unemployment, ongoing health issues, uh, broken relationships, whether it's uh, just natural friendships or in your family, siblings, um, husband and wife, obviously, and even parent-children um, relationships. Uh, extreme loneliness, um, something that some people have recently experienced because of this next life event, 2020 and all those things that encompass um, our fears and our, our ongoing anxiety about the different phases of 2020 and everything that goes that goes along with that there's so much in just the phrase 2020 so um if you're like me uh, many of you have been affected by one or more of those types of circumstances, even, even ones that weren't on the list. There are literally thousands of different circumstances that affect each of us differently, but can also be categorized as, as traumatized, traumatizing. But I think I wanna uh, focus on how those events, how the effects of those events um, continue on and on even even though they're events in the past they can they can continue to affect us in our present how many of us are live still living with those effects day to day as if the circumstance it is still still exists when it possibly does not um, if you find this true, like I do, you know that this is the very nature of PTSD. The effects of a traumatizing experience can actually last for months or years with triggers that can bring back memories of the trauma itself accompanied by intense 
um, emotional or physical reactions in just seconds. But the good news is, because there's good news, you know I'm bringing you good news. The good news is God delivers, vindicates, and gives joy. And because he does, we can lay down and be asleep in peace. Okay, so now let's talk about how we can move from reliving our PTSD and put it where it belongs, in our PAST, in our past. Now, Luke 962, which isn't something I would normally associate with, putting effects of uh, circumstances in our past, but that's what God gave me. Luke 9.62 says, Jesus replied, no one puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now, when I first read it, you know, when the Lord first gave it to me, um, it actually caught me off guard because at first it seemed as if Jesus was kind of reprimanding someone for taking into consideration their past or their past circumstances. But the story that this verse belongs to actually begins in verse 57. When Jesus, hit, when Jesus and his disciples were traveling, three men approached Jesus and claimed they wanted to follow him. And they, they would follow him anywhere. Where Jesus, in, in, in the course of the conversation, challenged their commitment. And they soon discovered that Jesus was not their first priority. The last man who claimed he wanted to follow Jesus requested to return home first to take care of family and business. Jesus' response to this man was verse 62. So then I got to reading it again, and <clears throat> this time I read it, kind of putting myself in the place of the verse. I imagined my hand on a plow. I don't know how you put your hand on a plow. Put your hand on a plow, and then from there, taking a look back over my shoulder, and I realized in doing so, I was not only looking back, at what I had left behind. But I had also taken my hands off of where I was going and in doing so, changed my focus. How many of us know that when Jesus calls to us and we, we respond that we want to follow him and like these men said, follow him anywhere, follow him everywhere, Jesus wants our focus to be fully on him. So here's a personal example, because of course I associated it with me. Um, most of you know I'm divorced and I've been divorced for several years. And while my ex-husband and I are amicable, I find myself still after so many years mourning the loss. Now I'm not mourning the loss of my husband. I'm mourning the loss of the idea of the relationship, of the idea of what I thought our relationship stood for, uh, of what I thought our relationship was supposed to be like. Well, I've just recently begun to realize that while I have my hands steady on the plow and I'm moving my life forward, 
there's still a part of me that looks back, that looks back over what was lost. And I'm grieving and lamenting that specific area of my past so many years ago. And I have, if you could see it, I have in my notes, SMH, and it's in bold. And it stands for shaking my head. Because after writing this, that's what I did. Shook my head. Because that's not where I believe what I believe God wants me fully focused on. Now, does that focus, lamenting over my past relationship or broken relationship, taking up all of my time? No, but it does um, certainly like um, there are triggers that grab my attention. And then I sit in a moment of lamenting. I sit in a moment of grief. I sit in a moment of focusing on my past. Well, here's the thing. Jesus doesn't just want us to stop looking, leaning, sulking, or lamenting and stressing over what has already happened. He also wants us fully focused on what's ahead. When we are driving, when we're driving in the car, we're not staring in the rearview mirror. The rearview mirror is up here. You know, we're not looking staring in our blind spot. Yes, we glance at the rearview mirror, we take a glance over our shoulder at the blind spot, but it's not our major focus. What is? The windshield. And the windshield gives us a full view of what lay ahead. And that's the majority of our focus. That's the majority of what our focus should be in our spiritual lives. What lay ahead? Isaiah 43, 18, 19 says, do not remember the past events. Boom, over, bye, see y'all. <laughs> it goes on to say, pay no attention to the things of old. God says, look, I'm about to do something new. Even now it's coming. Do you see it? God is asking the children of Israel if they perceive what he is doing for them right now, or are they focusing on their captivity? I believe he's asking us the same thing. Now, it's completely understandable and expected that healing from whatever we've gone through or are going through takes time. And while we may never forget those events and circumstances, we may never be able to fully forget. The question we may have to ask ourselves is, are we still being held captive by them? Or are we ready to focus on the things that lay ahead? Now, as you know, Paul's conversion begins in Acts 9. Paul has a conversion on the Damascus Road. He, um, at the time, uh, gained permission from Rome to seek out those Jesus followers and put them in jail, you know, and that was his task. He and his band of men were on the Damascus Road when uh, a light shone and he was blinded and he fell from his donkey and the entire story is in Acts 9. 
But the verse goes on to say that after God blinded him and he was transformed in the Damascus Road, there's a verse in it that says, and he began to preach the gospel at once. Now, there's a whole story in between getting knocked off his donkey and preaching the gospel at once. And the Lord did amazing things in his life. Blinded him, showed him a way to somebody who would strengthen and heal him and, and, and show him and he ate and all those kinds of things. And after the event, because that was an event, God transformed his life. But God didn't only transform his life, he transformed his focus. Paul was no longer focusing on his task from the Romans, which was to imprison anybody who was following Jesus. Now his focus was preaching the gospel. And the Bible says, after he was strengthened by eating food, he began to preach the gospel at once. Here's, here's my point. The Bible doesn't talk about him wondering what people thought or if they were okay with his new lease on life or whether they would hear him, accept him, like him, regardless or maybe even in spite of his own feelings about his own transformation, he resolved to preach the gospel at once. I'm not saying Paul didn't take a minute because he was blinded for a couple of days. So he had some time to consider some things. But once the event itself passed and he was given new orders as it were, because his old orders were from Rome. Now Jesus has given him his new orders. He focused fully on the new orders to preach the gospel. Now, Philippians 3, 13 and 14, Paul says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. He's referencing the fullness of maturing in Christ. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. Paul is committing to forgetting what is behind and not just forgetting and setting, not just forgetting, not just trying to forget, but forgetting and turning to strain toward what was ahead and further to press toward his goal. Those two words, strain and press, to me denote tension and force, which, is, which says to me that it will be hard at times to accomplish this. And even sometimes it will be hard for a long time. But the strain and press, is the force necessary to not, not just to reach your goal, but to let this one go. It'll take both. 
you need to reach the goal of achieving the prize for which God has called each of us. Now, God has called us to a whole body, the body of Christ as a goal, but we each has, have a personal and intimate relationship with, with Jesus Christ. So what is he calling you to do? And if you're being called, like a kid being called, you heard your name called and you have to go from this place to the place to which you are being called. And when we're talking about life events, those things that have taken hold of us, then to be released from this, from that hold is going to be a strain and even more of a strain to then press on toward his goal for our lives. Now, I'd like to end with a quote that I think is, says all this in plainer English than I could. It's a quote from the Tony Evans Bible commentary on explaining what Paul's message is to us. And it says, to become an excellent Christian and fulfill your kingdom purpose, you must have a short memory and a clear direction. It's not that you don't remember the past, it's that you don't allow the past to be a controlling factor in your life. I so agree with that. And it, it is so eloquently put as Tony Evans usually does. Friends, if we allow Jesus to be the controlling factor in our lives, then we can put PTSD firmly in our PAST. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.